Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, I'm Martin Bayfield, and this is the Rugby Tonight podcast. This week, we were joined in the studio by former England cricketer Simon Jones and Leicester's Freddie Burns. Hi, Freddie. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Good, good. to have you here. Good win at the weekend. It was a good comeback. After the knock weekend before, you were on the bench, of course. But I couldn't quite work out if Richard Cockrell was delighted with the win or just a little bit cross with that 20-minute period before half-time. I think it's a bit of both. I thought we showed a lot of character to, to come back from 17-0 down. Um, obviously, we reviewed the game today, and there was a few, uh, a few bits needed ironing out. But on the whole, it was, it was five points, and we'll move on to a tough game against Stad this weekend. What's his halftime team talk like? I, I, I'm a bit obsessed by Richard Cockrell's <laughs> halftime team talk. I, I, genuinely, what does he say? Does he like? He's, he's got to be a shouter, hasn't he? He's actually. He's, he's, cal- he's calmed down. He's calmed down a little bit. He's calmed down a little bit. Um, <laughs> I'm fortunate, actually, because the backs go into one room and the forwards go into the other, so uh, okay. I get Aaron Major give me you know, nice, clear messages and cockers as anything else. <laughs> Good. OK, so whenever I see you, I feel like I need to talk to you about your parents, because I've never... Stop it now! You've not been on the programme for a while and stop making me laugh. I'm kidding. I love okay. being you, You're wearing double denim as well, which is an interesting look. It's a bit brave for you. <laughs> Let's get this going straight. Uh, one bit of banter. She gets all feisty, eh? Aren't they? How's the car parking job going? <laughs> Thank you, man. Yeah. We decided that it was like a phlegm colour, which was nice before we went on that. Wow. Anyway, let's move on. Right, um, your parents. Now, I've never met them, but I just love them because we always chat about them and, and you tweet about your dad playing rugby. Because how old is he? He's 58 now. He's 58 and he's still playing most Saturdays. Yes? Yeah. Who yeah, does he play for? He plays with Coombe Down. Um, right. The best bit is he sees himself as a bit of the enforcer in the second row. But... <laughs> He, uh, he's the first to every breakdown in the first couple of minutes, and after that, he just chases them, trying to get there, and by the time he's got there, they're over. So uh, it's quite entertaining. Uh, last year, the excuse was when we had Saturday games that he was, he was playing, so couldn't come and watch, and now, uh, with the Sunday games we've got, he's, he's too hungover to come and watch. So uh, <laughs> you know, I love him for doing it, and fair play to him, really. Your mum, carpool karaoke is, is legendary, isn't it? Yeah, with yeah, your mum, she enjoys a bit, a bit yeah. of carpool karaoke. Yeah, she's What's um, her latest Professor Green, wasn't it? Professor, Professor Green, Green, yeah. It was, it was, it she loves a bit of rap, does she? Um, she likes a bit of all genres, to be honest, mate. I don't think she's, she's too fussy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, mum's a legend. Uh, I've probably got um, you know, a little bit of her traits in terms of making a fool of myself and, and talking a bit too much, but you know, she comes up every, every home game and she stayed over the weekend, which... It means I've got a clean house as well, which well, is nice. Yeah, but how does that work out with your brother at Gloucester and you at Leicester? How do they kind of sp- spread their time? Um, they're <coughs> kind of 50-50, but this year we've been quite lucky. There's been a lot of Saturday games for, for Gloucester and we've had a lot of Sunday games, so 
mum stops off in Gloucester, watches the game, and then comes up to mine and watches the Sunday game. And you know, fair play to her, she, she clocks up the mileage, um, but she loves it, she wouldn't have it any other way. Brilliant. Okay, well, we'll chat more later, of course, you will. Um, but I think it's time for us now to maybe have a little look at what happened when Freddie's current club welcomed his old team to Welford Road at the weekend. Leicester needed a win to keep their playoff hopes alive, and Gloucester still had an outside shot, of course, at a top six finish. The Leicester Tigers will be delighted. That puts the pressure back on Northampton Saints, which uh, Freddie makes it extra sweet for you guys, I would imagine. Let's have a look at the table and just see how things stand at the moment. So you're in fourth, obviously big game coming up against the Saints in two weeks' time, but you have the crucial advantage of those uh, of 12 wins over the Northampton Saints. Ben, it's interesting, isn't it, because uh, we think that maybe there's another team who can come in, but there's a, there's a few, uh, and sometimes we might forget that, that Sale are in the mix as well to get into that top four. Yeah, absolutely. It's still all to play for. And, and next weekend, obviously, our European uh, coming up, but the weekend after that is going to be all told, particularly that Northampton-Leicester uh, game. But, yeah, Sale, with that extra game, because the rearranged European game, they could get up to 50 points and then... Yeah, it becomes a, a four-way uh, split. But I think Leicester are in, in pole position, particularly with the teams they've got to play. Worcester seem to be going backwards, having secured their own, um, you know, their own safety. And, and, and Bath as well, it's away from home, but they're still not, not playing particularly well. Uh, so I think, you know, if Northampton are going to do it, and the fact that Leicester, even if they're equal on points... Leicester will go through because they've won more games than Northampton, yeah. then uh, I think Northampton have to win next weekend. And Hugo, what was so impressive with that fight back from, uh, from Leicester? We expect there to be forward pressure. It's a given when you talk about a Tigers team, but the back line really, really came into its own in that game. Yeah, it's funny. I think sometimes when you're under pressure, you just go back to bases and do the simple things really well. And Leicester, just the quality of their passing, I know it sounds like a very obvious and a simple thing, but often those things are missed within the game. Every single one of those passes are out of in front it just allows people to get on and do their job it's often spoken about you just do your job not worry about anything else and just once again and when you've got players like Manu to Alanga within your team that extra of X factor that bite which you need that encouragement which you need is, is brilliant that ball from Harry Thacker pushes Manu on his out and then once again it's just those little bits of detail just done really well and because of the execution and the accuracy which they found in the second half, they're able to pile pressure on and score all the points they need. And massive five points. Richard Cockrell said it was the 40 minutes which saved their season. Yeah, and as we say, put pressure on the Saints. Freddie, just very quickly, what about this, this Manu effect? He's back in the team. He seems to be playing with a smile on his face again. Yeah, I think he's one of the world's best, isn't he? I think he brings um, a confidence to the team. Um, he shores up that midfield a lot and he gives you a lot of go forward. So... To have Manu back is, is great and it, it lifts everyone else. And you see guys like Pete Beetham really enjoying playing outside him. Uh, Toulouse Viano as well. We've got some, some very exciting we backs. You saw, saw on that Viano try, didn't you, that there was a slight mistake in defence because they just held two players held on Manu yeah. rather than one. And that just created the, the extra. So it's not just when he's carrying the ball, it's the fact that people go, actually, do I need to go and assist my buddy to make this tackle? Maybe I don't, but by then you've already left a, a gap. I think that's it. I think you've got to be smart with how you use him. I think. Um, no, first phase is quite easy to defend against a, a, big, a big guy, but if we can get him as an attacking threat sort of three, four, five phases in, then he'll cause a lot of damage. So uh, he gives you a lot, but you've got to be smart with him as well. What about your old boys, Gloucester? I mean, for a period of time, they were playing some sublime rugby as well. What do you make of your guys? Old guys. Old guys, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they're a quality team and they're dangerous. I thought um, what potentially looked like a, a weakened team from them, from, from resting a few boys, turned into guys that needed to... to stake a claim for a shirt this weekend in, in their European quest. So, um, you know, they, they came out all guns blazing and for that 20 minutes they played some exceptional rugby and 
put us under pressure. Um, maybe we felt a little bit ourselves that we um, didn't help ourselves in sort of stunting their momentum, but you know, a lot of credit goes to Gloucester in the way they attacked and got those, those three tries late in that first half. Now, Sarah, let's find out a little bit more about the man on the other end of that dog's lead. Yes, shall we? OK, so this is Simon, who, through Harlequins, has become the IG Achieve the Extraordinary Competition winner. Simon, it's great to have you here. Your story is utterly inspiring. Just, just tell us a little bit about the competition that you've won and why it is you, you won it. Well, yeah, I was fortunate enough to win the sort of IG and Harlequins competition by... The basic premise was just to sort of pitch an interesting challenge, so I thought running across the Namibian desert solo for 160 miles would be an interesting challenge. It's pretty interesting and pretty difficult because it's a, it's a mammoth, mammoth task and a mammoth challenge. But when you can't see, how do you begin to, to prepare to undertake something like that? Well, first you tell yourself there's no obstacles. <laughs> I'm sure there is. Yeah, well, I thought the desert was quite empty. There's just <laughs> going to be a lot of sand. It turns out there's cliffs, yeah. there's a big boulder fields, there's ravines <laughs> and... It's not quite as easy as I first sort of anticipated. So once you accept there's going to be obstacles, then you sort of the next challenge is to learn to navigate. Yeah. And the way I did that was uh, I sort of created an iPhone app, and I have the GPS coordinates. And a desert race is essentially can be broken down into GPS points. So one point to the next is always a straight line. Okay. So I created an app that helps me maintain a straight line, right. and it works like parking sensors. So if does I go, it beep? yeah. Okay. So if I go too far off the straight line, it beeps, and then okay. I know to. God, come back in towards a straight line and hopefully use that for 160 miles and I'm sure the battery will be fine. Yeah, I was going to say, you're totally reliant on that for 160 miles. Yeah, I've got a few phones, yeah. so, you know, they're going to be a bit disposable and I've yeah, got yeah. some external batteries and things to keep them charged. So, yeah, totally reliant on this app, on this phone to guide me through the desert. Wow. A huge round of applause for Simon, please, and all the very best. Make it first, yeah? Yes, we mark your man. We wish you all the very best. Now, time to meet another of our guests. He's a Welsh sporting superstar, born in Swansea on Christmas Day. He's a big lad at six foot four, but it wasn't rugby that gave him his legendary status. It was cricket. Terrorising Australian batsmen as part of the Ashes Heroes of 2005. Please welcome Simon Jones. Thank welcome. You for me. Um, before we start, before we look backwards, 11 years to the Ashes. Let's go back one day to the 2020 final. I mean. We all found that agonising to watch. How did you find it? I tell you what, I watched the whole game and I found out what it feels like for fans. You're used to playing and you're used to just being able to deal with the situations because you, you, that's what you do. So we sat there on my sofa watching. I was jumping up and down like a maniac when we were picking up wickets early on. Um, but then to, to see them need 19 off the last over, I was like, this is in the bag. Uh, obviously not. It took four balls and the game was over. Uh, horrific. I mean, how do you go around picking a guy like Ben Stokes up after something like that? Is, the, is it a very, very tight-knit group of players? Very. You look at them now, the team has changed so much. Uh, what they did in the T20 World Cup, they picked boys that can play the game. They play the T20 game. They're doing the best at the, the domestic format and they picked the right team. Uh, they're young lads, they're confident, um, immensely talented. And they just enjoy each other's company. So they'll be surrounding Stokesy with, with plenty of uh, help and, and, and trying to G him back up because I know he's an immensely proud human being. You know, he's, he's a real trier. Um, he's so competitive, it's, it's incredible. So he's going to come back stronger for the experience. 
I really do feel that because you know, he's got so much to offer a game and I think he will be one of England's all-round greats. Let's talk about 2005. Finally, we saw an England team properly prepared, properly trained and uh, were able to, to, to put the ghosts of, of previous Ashes series behind them. What was it like being part of that? It was, uh, it was incredible. The team that had been together for four years, five years, uh, very comfortable uh, environment, enjoyed each other's company. Um, you know, we, we socialised together as well. So we built that unity up, that built, built up like a, a family feeling in the changing room. Um, there was no new faces in there. Uh, it was just a settled team. And, you know, we had every base covered in the bowling department. Um, obviously, we had Andrew Flint off on the side as well. But we had a gun batting lineup. So we, we were at a place where we, could, we felt we could take on anyone. Uh, I'm sorry, I, th I just, a question I really want to know is, is after the World Cup, the most special time was actually when you shut the changing room door and you're in with the guys and, yeah. and, and you're out of the media glare and you're just looking at each other what you've achieved. Obviously, we saw pictures of the team the next day and Flintoff uh, <laughs> and Peterson, not sure they could remember what happened. What did you guys do afterwards? How, how did, those few hours after, you know, how, how quickly did you have to get out of there and get to the official function? I don't think many of us remembered what happened. But... <laughs> It was just an immense feeling to actually achieve what we'd been, we, what we'd set out to do. Um, we, we planned that four years ago, uh, and we had a, a plan in place to do that with Duncan Fletcher at, at the helm. And we just spent the next three hours drinking as quickly <laughs> as we possibly could because it had been the longest six months of our lives. Honestly, it was just the, the pressure, the expectation from the media, from from the fans. It was a tough place to be, but it was a great place to be as well. And we just sat in the changing rooms and almost tried to let it sink in. You were thinking, right, let's just enjoy this moment. You know, we went into the, the Australian changing room. Uh, obviously, enjoyed looking a few of them in the eye. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it was, it was just a great, great feeling because we'd had to achieve what we wanted to do. You were lucky, Ben, because you had a few weeks to decompress after the World Cup final. I dread to think what state you would have been in if your parade had been the day after the World Cup final. You're a big rugby fan, son, big yep. rugby fan. And, uh, and your kids play at the same club as, as Sarah's in Cowbridge. Yeah, in Cowbridge. Um, who do you get to watch whenever you have an opportunity? Um, I'm living in Cardiff now, but I'm a Scarlet's fan of heart. Um, but I'll go down and watch the, the Blues play. Uh, enjoy it, spend some time with my friends, have a couple of beers while I'm watching it, nice and social, relax and, and, and enjoy a good level of rugby that's been played. Um, I really enjoyed the Six Nations. I went to a couple of the games. Uh, I took Harvey, my oldest, to the, the Wales Italy game. He, uh, he, he could not stop smiling. It just to, he, he just, he's seen it on TV, yeah. and then he's in the stadium, and there's like 80-odd thousand now, 74,000 there. He just couldn't get over it. And it was just great to, to spend that time with him, but also be sober. Because normally, <laughs> when, you, normally when you're watching a rugby, you, you're having a few jars and you're watching it half-cut, but... To spend that time, <laughs> to spend that time with my, my oldest son and for him to appreciate that, yeah, it was, it was immense. Great to have you. Give him a round of applause, Simon. <laughs> now with pressure coming from Walsh and Leicester Tigers, extra Chiefs couldn't afford a slip up against Worcester at Sandy Park. But we start at the wreck where Bath faced Saracens. The pressure was on, and it made for a lively affair. We know about the red card for Anthony Watson, the yellow card for, for Cook. Uh, but news has broken that Davey Wilson and George Cruz have both been cited. Davey Wilson for uh, making contact with the eye area, George Cruz for biting. So we'll wait and see what happens. What we do know is that Anthony Watson got a red card. Split opinions on whether he should or shouldn't. It wasn't malicious, but it was maybe slightly reckless. The law is, is a little bit grey in that area for me, but 
He's, he's enforced the law, he's landed on his shoulder slash neck area, and it had to be a red card. So I think everyone involved in the incident was a bit unfortunate, but absolutely... I think, the, the the thing, thing we know, though, the important thing that maybe to say, Ben, sorry, is, is that intent plays no part in it. No, it, it, it doesn't. Is it's recklessness yeah. because of, of the outcome. But, you know, you're saying you can see that Ashton clearly knows what he's doing, but he's entitled to run back towards the ball and, and get himself into position. And I just think Watson gets a bit carried away seeing Ashton. He almost accelerates to push Ashton and then stumbles into him. There's no intent in there at all, but it's a red card because he hasn't seen what, what the danger could be and you've got to be careful of the guy in the yeah. air. So he'll, he'll think it's never a red card, but actually, as the laws stand, that is a cast-iron red card. Um, Freddie, let's, let's uh, talk about um, possibly a team that you're going to be meeting up in, uh, maybe in, in the playoffs, uh, extra Chiefs, and one man, Jack Knoll, certainly in a rich, rich vein of form against Worcester Warriors. I mean... Do you start thinking about who you might be coming up against and this guy, you might be seeing him again? Um, I think we've got enough on our plate just to, uh, just to make the top four at the minute. But, um, you know, Exeter, Saracens again are playing some, some great rugby. But, you know, you see both teams very good at the basics when they've got players like, like Jack Knoll, who's got that little bit of stardust. And you're seeing guys at Hollywoodburn uh, picking up, picking up hat-tricks off the back of... Uh, some pretty special stuff from, from the boys like Jack Noll and, and Slady. But what we're seeing about players that have been away of England, they've actually all come back better players. Eddie Jones has given them the challenge that after your Grand Slam experience, you have to stand out in the Premiership. Guys like Jack Noll, we've seen that the Saracens players, they've all taken that step and they've just groomed and become better players and that's exactly and what 19 carries for him, that's the key yeah. for me. He's getting into the game and that's what you want. If you've got a winger with footwork like that, you don't want him stuck on the wing all game. You want him coming into midfield and appearing... He's playing yeah. great. 40 tries in the Premiership this weekend. The weather's changed, and you go, we're seeing some fantastic rugby at the moment. Yeah, we certainly are. Like you were chatting earlier on Saturday, I think the average points in the Premiership was 60 as a total. So there's been a, more of an urgency and more of a desire to play a bit of rugby. But I guess when the, when the weather allows it, uh, players certainly take advantage of it. Are you an advocate of summer rugby? I'm a fly after, definitely. <laughs> I think the in the front row might disagree, but yeah, I'm, a, I'm an advocate for, for summer rugby, definitely. But one team we know enjoy playing ball in hand is Quinns, and we saw that at the weekend. They were, they were attacking from deep when they had 14 men on the pitch. Yeah, they were. I mean, not everything was perfect, but uh, bits of it were very, very good. Just the lateness of the passing, the trust, and that means that they can, they can open up the holes and... and Look, Jack Clifford's having an absolute stormer, uh, and we see him again as a ball carrier. You know, is, he's wearing seven um, in this game. Is he going to sort of be the guy that maybe takes over when Haskell and Robshaw maybe are a little bit yard off the pace? But everything at times clicked. They, things didn't work for Quinns, but when the game opens up and some of the ball carriers they have, and I think, you know, ball in hand, Visser is, is in you know, absolutely brilliant form at the moment. It's just exciting to watch. And, we saw it with a lot of teams during the Premiership uh, weekend this weekend, but uh, Harlequins, I think, more than anyone, seem to have had a resurgence with the, with the suns out. Yeah, you like you mentioned there, some of the accuracy was brilliant. It was just that sustained accuracy. They were home and dry by 50 minutes, and then 28-25, Newcastle came back into it. But just that star quality, you mentioned Tim Visser, another two tries at the weekend is really... I'm glad that he's uh, owning that number 11 shirt. Really pleased <laughs> you look really good. Best 11 they've had for years. <laughs> oh, I go along with that. Um, let's talk then about London Irish and Sale, because obviously it was a huge match for London Irish, and we can sit here and we can you know, talk again about a missed opportunity because only one point adrift, I think, at the 65th minute. But I think 
we need to maybe congratulate Sale as well, and especially Danny Cipriani. He's had a good few weeks. Hugo. 20 points again this weekend, and he, and he managed things well. He's been brilliant. I commentated on him last week. I gave him man the match, and just his game control was something which has always been there and developed over the last couple of years. He's been a bit wayward off the tee, but last week he was outstanding. Um, brilliant again, 87% for at the weekend. But this is where Cipriani's at his best when he's taking the ball to the line and just using the players in and around it. But he's also got an eye for a try, you know. That's easy for him. He's very, very quick. He's, he is a sprinter by nature. But you've got to mention that he has really kind of been at the heartbeat of Sal um, and their research. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure about the celebration and the dab. A little bit more of a hit. I mean, you, we just sent it to you there. What, if you, what, what would Crocker say to you if you did that? I don't think, mate, I'm going to answer it. I'm not answering it. Anyway, um, let's have a look at the remaining fixtures and London Irish remaining fixtures and um, Newcastle's remaining fixtures. And we were talking a few weeks ago, we were looking at, at the fixtures left and we were going, oh, yeah, London Irish have a favourable run in. But now, I, I'm looking at them now and I'm not sure they do because they're not picking up those bonus points, are they? Even if they do go to Newcastle and win. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that they are going to have to. Uh, Look, they've got to get the win under their belt. You can't see them uh, winning with a with a try bonus point. Um, so it is going to be tough, but they'll solely be uh, thinking about this weekend and maybe the psychology change. If they win this weekend, or sorry, in, in, in two weekends' time, if they win that game, maybe that will change Newcastle's psychology and change their own as well. But they're still, I'd still say Newcastle are in the driving seat, obviously, um, being a home game for them as well. But they're not out of it. Dr. Paul Fleming, great to have you on uh, on the show with us. Um, we will explain why we have this mixture of items in front of us. Just tell us who you are and what you're doing at the moment. OK, so I'm Dr. Paul Fleming from Loughborough University. I head up our sports surface research team. Uh, we've been doing this for about 14 years, and it started basically from my interest in, in sport and lots of interest in the development of artificial turf and other surfaces and since we engage with a, a few manufacturers or sports company bodies it's just taken off and we're trying to fill in all those gaps in the science to explain how artificial turf actually works so that's what i'm hoping i'll be able to give you a little bit of a feel great stuff because it really is a, a, a hot topic at the yeah. moment we'll come yeah. on to some of the comments that current players are saying about these artificial okay. uh, surfaces we've moved from plastic to artificial okay. this is high tech just gives an idea now of what the makeup of an artificial pitch is. <clears throat> OK. So, under the carpet, this is the carpet, is a shock-absorbing <coughs> pad. Very important for rugby to help reduce the big impacts from, say, head... Uh, so, so, would rugby, if you're looking at football or rugby, would rugby have a... Have a rugby thicker? will have a thicker pad than okay. this. And that will go underneath the carpet. This is a monofilament carpet. This is like the one at Saracens. This is like the one at Newcastle. Slightly different style here. So there are different products on the market. Yeah. They do very little bit in the way they uh, work and the way they behave. And then within the carpet would go some sand at the bottom. That helps stabilise it and give it some weight. And then you have this lovely recycled truck tyre right. rubber, which you're all very keen on, I'm sure. So that's what's all over the place, face absolutely at the bottom of a rock the, or when and, they've and, got a and that, is, that is providing quite a lot of the performance, this shock absorbency and tractional grip okay. for the players. So you, you mentioned yeah. um, Saracens, you mentioned Newcastle Falcons. Yeah. We're aware, obviously, that Cardiff <laughs> yeah. Blues, so they've got a, an artificial pitch. Now, are we seeing a real demand now for artificial pitches around the world? It seems so, yes. I mean, uh, you know, there are lots of benefits. I'm not saying they're the, the complete answer. They perhaps don't and shouldn't replace 
natural turf. But yes, they, they, you know, they allow you to play more intensively. They allow you to uh, perhaps exploit the business opportunity of having uh, a facility that's, that's open 40, 50, 60 hours a week, which you cannot do on <coughs> natural turf. But the players want to clearly want to have a surface that they feel replicates playing on yeah. grass. Um, there's this idea that once you put down a, an artificial surface, it's maintenance-free. Is that right? No. <clears throat> no? Absolutely not. So one of, one of the projects we've got is working with a maintenance uh, provider. And I think everybody in the industry now recognises they need to be a little bit more upfront about the amount of maintenance you need. The more you use them, the more maintenance you need. If you don't maintain them, those nice properties, those shock-absorbing and, and, and grip properties will reduce. And you will lose some of that performance, and hence you might get even more negative feedback from players. Well, we, we know, for instance, that Jack Knoll at Exeter Chiefs doesn't play <laughs> on artificial surfaces, so yeah. uh, he, he just isn't selected for those games. These are comments from, from Ed Slater recently, the, uh, the Leicester Tigers' second row. I don't like the pitches, they're not good for my knee, and I know a lot of others feel the same way after games on them. I don't know how many people, I don't know many people actually like them. Does it disadvantage certain teams? It depends how much you read into it, but coaches aren't happy when a player has to pull out <clears> because of a plastic pitch. All I know is they're not good for my body. It's not good for the joints, and if there's a high risk, you can't play, and it's just incredibly frustrating. What's the feedback you're getting? There's Red Slater's <laughs> uh, opinions. Yep. Actually, I'm just going to ask Freddie. You, you would have played on artificial pitches. How do you find them? Um, again, I'm very much on the fence. I, I understand the the ability to play on them and, and being a fly half, being able to run and play. But for me, um, there's good enough proper pitches out there um, if invested into to having the Premiership. And I'd like to see us not go have less artificial pitches, just a personal opinion. The ball does different things on it. When it rains, it's a lot greasier than, um, than, than normal sort of mud-based pitches, I guess. So for me... I would, I'd rather we stayed more to the uh, to the normal pitches. You talk the about official. the business, Paul. You talk about the business of it, and it's important for Saracen. Certainly important for Newcastle. They've changed when <clears> they play <throat> the games. It becomes more of a family day. It's yeah, working really yeah. well for them. What are the disadvantages you're hearing? Are you getting any feedback saying actually they're causing injuries? Okay, so uh, the rugby uh, Premier League, the Rugby Players Association, the RFU are doing injury surveillance. There is a project which is ongoing, and in the last two years they've collected the data and compared the Saracens pitch to natural turf and the Newcastle and Saracens pitch last season to natural turf. And they are saying from that research, which is, uh, in, involves Bath University, that there are no, uh, there's no increase, no substantial increase in injuries, the number of or the severity of. And that is against the backdrop that in rugby, the injury risk is uh, increasing slightly, it seems, in the Premier League. Yeah. So there's no significant difference. That doesn't mean there isn't the odd injury and maybe you're Ed Slater with a knee. You know, does, there's bound to be, uh, I think, a few people who will have an injury and blame the pitch for it. I'm not saying they're wrong, but you can imagine that would be the case. So the general research around the world is no significant difference. That doesn't mean it doesn't feel a little bit different. Maybe it doesn't mean it doesn't play a little bit different. Uh, what nobody's done yet is really get good data from the players about their own opinions in a, in a scientific way. So this is an ongoing process. Yeah, Great. absolutely. Thanks so much indeed for coming down and showing us this. OK, shall we talk about our fixtures then this weekend? Shall we start with um, Wasp Exeter? 
Um, and if you remember Exeter qualifying in the most dramatic of fashions on that final day, beating the Ospreys. I'm just wondering, you know, because they're obviously they're, they play each other on a regular basis, they know each other's strength, they know each other's weaknesses. Does that make it easier or harder when it comes I to you? I think the harder thing is they could conceivably play each other three times by the end of the season because they've still got to play each other in the normal league season. It's looking like they might finish second and third, so they'll play each other in the, in the Premiership um, playoffs. And then they've got this game as well. So one side could completely destroy the other side's season <laughs> over the next few weeks. I, I think that you know, Extra have been hugely consistent. They play some great rugby. We've seen some of that today. But I think that all teams will be most worried about playing in um, one-off games against Wasps because we saw who they'd beaten in their, in their table there. They've taken a big game against Leinster to knock them out. They've beaten Toulon. They seem like they've got those individuals and, and it's not all about sort of the perfect team performance. The likes of Charles Piertau, who's top of the metres gained in, in Europe, they are match winners. And, and that's who I'd... If I was playing in any of those tournaments, Wasps would be the team that I wouldn't want to meet in a knockout game. And, of course, the winner of that game goes on to meet the winner of Saracens against Northampton Saints at the moment on form. You have to fancy Saracens for that. Well, you can't look beyond Saracens. I mean, they had a bit of a turbulent period during that Six Nations period, but since those guys, the returning internationals, come back, they just don't look like being beaten. Owen Farrell's playing with a huge amount of confidence. The ball carrying ability of Billy Vanapola, Chris Ashton coming back into the fold like he's never been away two tries the weekend. They're just a powerful outfit. So whether it's their defence, the set piece, or the X factor which they have right across their team, they are an incredible unit. But it's the Premiership, and it is a knockout game. Anything can happen. You can't write off Northampton Saints, who are going pretty comfortably as well. What about Racing against Toulon, Ben? Um, well, I believe that uh, the Toulon owner has put a tweet <laughs> yeah, out or a comment great. out saying that, um, well, I'm not really bothered about next week because we've already lost it. Brilliant. So, which is just <laughs> exactly what you want as a player. But, uh, look, that's a bit of reverse psychology, isn't it? He'll, he'll expect more of a performance, but I would think that Racing would be favourites for it, just how they're both playing at the moment. Yeah. And Leicester, Stade Francais, played each other in a group stages. Um, Stade, then... They're not been hitting the required marks, have they, in the top 14? I mean, how do you guys look at that match? Um, I think we'll go into it with, with huge confidence. It's obviously nice to have a, a quarter-final back at, at Welford Road, which is a, a huge advantage to us. Um, and therefore might not be consistent in the top 14, but they've got players that can, that can win games, guys like Parise, you know, Stain, these kind of guys who are big game players. So, you know, we'll be confident, but we've also got to be wary of, of the threats they pose as well. Put your money on Leicester there, though, wouldn't you, Les? Yeah, the only thing is, one of the problems Stad haven't, uh, they haven't been able to put their first team pack together very often. And if they can get them all on the field this weekend, although they haven't that, had that running time, they're a much more formidable outfit when they've got all of them starting. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Tonight podcast. We'll be back next week. See you then. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.